Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This month's been all about thankful. And you know, when uh, I feel like the Lord puts these these themes on my heart, I almost never know how they're going to work out. I'd love to tell you I've got it all planned and it's all. But the truth is, a message like tonight came out of a seed from last Sunday night. I'm standing in the worship and I start thinking about a man that I would have preached on at least 50 times, maybe more, and whose story I can practically recite you. I think I've preached that often on it. And yet one phrase out of it so sticks in my mind and I go away and delve a bit, dig a bit and discover that there's a way more to this story than I ever imagined. Well, exactly the same is going to happen next Sunday night. Next Sunday night, I'm speaking on breakthrough and uh, just some stuff while I'm standing there. I'm not writing down the shopping list. I'm not writing down, remember to get the pancake shakers from Coles for a buck fifty or Aldi for a dollar forty nine. Uh, I'm jotting down stuff from God here. We are maybe outnumbered, but we're never outmaneuvered. Anyway, breakthrough. That'll be next Sunday night. Bring some friends for that. That'll be great, all right? Judges 6, verse 11. Going to read a whole bunch of verses, but that's all right because you love the Word of God. Judges 6, verse 11 is the story of a young man who kind of feels like his life has got, uh, it's just getting worse and worse. He feels like God has abandoned him. And his people, he feels like pretty much, well, he's just a big loser. And uh, then it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Well, Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, how come, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Don't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, handed us over to the Midianites, their army, uh, their their enemy rather, and and a, a kind of absolute massive horde of them was the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have, rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. If you've got a paper Bible, you should underline that. I am sending you. This is not God saying, look, here's a a bit of a plan. Hope you might buy into it. God is actually giving a command. And do you realise whether you know it or not that every believer in Jesus Christ, we come to Christ, we hear the story of hope, We hear about forgiveness of our sin. We hear about a heaven that God's prepared. We hear about how God loved us, about how He gave Jesus to die on a cross. And we think that we are stepping in and saying yes. And we think we kind of did something. We don't understand that for every single one of us, God knew your name. He knew who you were, knew where you'd be, that service or that place you'd be in, where
where you would feel the call of Christ, where you would say yes. But in God's mind, it was never, ever a doubt. It was never ever, well, maybe this might come to pass. This was God saying, I'm going to send you. So every one of these people that lined up here to go to Red Frogs, they think they signed up going, I'd like to be a part of helping young people. But the reality is, heaven says, I'm sending you. When Ben goes off to Sydney this week to sing his song about mental health, I don't know where the song came from apart from the fact that Ben wrote it. But you know, when Ben started feeling musical as a young man and started kind of tinkering with writing songs, there was more than just a gifted, young, talented young man saying, I think I'd like to do it. And I'm concerned about young people and mental health. Oh, and in the night, a jingle came to him. It's a lot more than that. It is literally God going, I knew you before you were born. I have prepared you for the moments where I'm sending you to do something. Gideon has no idea that this encounter is not anything at all about his resources and about a wine press and about his people and about oppression. It's got very little to do with that. And it's got everything to do with God. Listen to me. God knowing who you are. God knew who you were and he's sending you. He sends you places. You don't always are aware of it, but He sends you. Verse 15, but Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least of my entire family. The Lord said to him, I'm gonna be with you. Don't you love God's answers? We are going, how can this happen? His whole answer is not, well, by the way, I have a whole angelic host. Would you like to have a bit of a peek? Let me show you what they look like. And uh, here's all the weapons I'm going to give you. He actually just says to the guy, here's all you need to know is I'll be with you. Can I say to you tonight, for so many of us, that God will send even in this week. Um, you know, sometimes uh, when God speaks about uh, things that to me are so innocuous, they don't mean much. And then the person, only a couple of weeks ago, I prophesied to uh, Lynette there about forgiveness and about helping people through bitterness. And I'm going like, you know, like, what is that? As in, in my head, I don't think it's anything profound. I think she already knows it all anyway. And so I'm a bit perplexed as to why God should say to me, no, you've got to tell her. Then I find out that that very week she'd been having conversations in the hospital where God sends her. Because she works as a volunteer outside of this church, going into hospitals and comforting and encouraging people there. And she'd been encountering people like that. And so that word that meant so not a lot to me, meant so much to her. You know, almost every second week, somebody will come up and go, you said that. And that so was what is happening in my world. I go, Really? Because I'm pretty much a postman. I deliver messages. I don't concoct them. I don't create them. I don't make them up. I just post them. And you know, if the postman gives you a letter that says you just inherited a million dollars, you don't think the postman gave it to you, do you? I don't know why people get so all fired up about, oh, I can't, I can't. Because I tell you what, you're just a delivery person. Every one of those people that's going down to Red Frogs, we are like postmen. Well, some of you don't even know what a postman is anymore. 
Uh, what's a postman? Well, it's a guy who used to come to people's letterbox. Uh, let me just say, he's like the courier driver who delivers your eBay order. Now I've got you, all right? Now you know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh okay. I, was, I ordered online and it came. Oh, yeah, all right, great. Uh, gotcha. So we get ourselves so occupied, though, thinking about our capacity to produce when our job is not to produce, it's to deliver. So this guy starts off on the whole deal. Oh, well, I'm going to be with you. The Lord says, you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, suffice to say that for Gideon, even that was too much. He's hiding in a wine press, for goodness sake. I was in Israel the year before last and I, they, I went on a tour in Nazareth and they showed us a wine press, the things like yay deep. And so to hide in there, you are on your belly. This guy is not standing up being all full of bravado. I mean, he's down there hoping the ground will hide him. Gideon replied, if you're going to truly help me, show me a sign, my goodness, Put your thinking cap on it. I'm going to really, you know, you're going to want to really think. You're going to want to write some notes down and go back. Think of it, trust me. Show me a sign to prove it's really the Lord speaking to me. Now, if you're going to ask God for a sign, you don't say, Lord, let me have my next breath. Because how many of you know that that's not a real big sign you're going to breathe anyway, unless you're dead? All right? You don't go, Lord, if it's really you, let let it be night later. Huh? So why am I saying all that? It's because when this guy asks God for a sign and I explain to you what he's talking about, you are going to go, oh, so that's what this story is about. All right, stick with me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I'll stay here till you return. Gideon hurried home, cooked a young goat with a basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast and carrying the meat in the basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out, presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of the Lord said, and he placed the meat and the unleavened bread in this rock, poured the broth over it. Gideon did as he was told. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock, consumed all that he'd bought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. I feel like that almost should have like a little bit of a rap line going to it. Well, the people in the front row are going, no, don't do that. And I'm going like, what do you, th-? like, hello, don't you, aren't you aware of my musical pedigree? Oh, that's the problem. All right, here we go. Verse 22, when Gideon, now watch this. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I'm going to explain why he's so OTT on that right there. Why on earth would you go like, I'm doomed. Hello, you've just been talking to an angel. The angel has done just what you asked. And now you go, why? Come back to that in a minute. I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. I'll come back to that in a minute too. Don't be afraid, you won't die. Why did he think he was going to die? Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. My goodness, I could, I could preach on this for an hour and I might just do that. No one groans, so that's a pretty good thing there, brother. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. In verse 19, Gideon brings the offering and here's what we've been saying about being thankful. 
is that thankful in the scripture is way more powerful, far more potent than mere hospitality, generosity, or the right thing to do. This guy, watch this, he's having a great conversation with the angel, but after the angel of the Lord consumes the offering with fire, that's when Gideon goes, oh, now I'm doomed. Why would you respond about that when you asked the angel to give you a sign? You were the one who brought the offering. When the angel did exactly what you were hoping he'd do, all of a sudden you think you're going to die. Well, the reality is that if you want to understand that, you'll pretty quickly find out there's a lot more going on here than mere hospitality. This guy does not go and bring an offering of a fruitcake and scones for afternoon tea. You've got to dig a bit because see, I was thinking about this, these, this passage last Sunday. Night. That's why you should read your Bible. Because sometimes when you don't have to open your Bible, God will take what you've read in the Bible, what you've learned in the Bible, and He'll speak it to you in times when you can't open your Bible. So I'm standing there in the worship and I'm starting to think about this passage and go, what the, why was this guy so freaked out? Then I start thinking about the offering and I start wondering, why did he go and bring a kid, a young goat? And why did he go and bring unleavened bread? Why didn't he go home and see what was in the pantry? See what mum had already baked? See what were the leftovers in the fridge? If he was simply trying to feed somebody, if he was simply trying to show generosity, he would have gone and got the cheese platter. He would have got the antipasta. He would have bought out, you know, last night's chicken and spaghetti. He would have bought out something or other like that. He would have whipped up a batch of scones. I can make pikelets in 20 minutes flat. He could have whipped up the pikelets, got the cream out of the fridge, got the strawberry jam, set it all out, put the jug on for a cup of tea, made a cup of coffee, sat down and said, thanks for coming. But this is not a story about hospitality. You've got to understand something of the Old Testament. I'm not going to make you go back and study it for yourself. Let me tell you what I discovered. In the Old Testament, where this man lived, to bring a kid, a young goat, was to bring a sin offering. That's what it was. He's bringing a sin offering that the priest would offer. You couldn't offer it, the priest offered. You might bring the young goat. You've committed something you shouldn't have done. You've, you've really screwed up this time. You, are, you know you're so out of touch with God. You know that there, there's a massive yawing gap between you and the Holy One and the way your life is meant to be. And so what you do is you'd get that young goat and you would bring that up to the priest. But you see, you weren't allowed to offer it in your backyard. You can say, I don't want anyone to know. You would bring it up and the priest would take your gift and he would put your gift on the altar. He would kill that thing. And so your, the punishment for your sin, the punishment, the bridge, if you like, over that gap would be completely uh, taken over. You from now on, you walk away going, you know what? I'm free of my past. Why did he bring the, the bread? The word there in the Hebrew, I'm not trying to be clever or technical, but it's pretty easy to look up now uh, online, I can tell you. The word for bread there is literally the word for Passover bread. He never brought, you know, like we don't have any yeast at home. 
Oh, so I just got to make it. What has Tari? What he did was he went home and he made Passover bread. Now, again, this Passover bread, if you go to Exodus, I think it's about 29 and verse 25, tells us all about it. And it says, when you go to do this, you receive them back from their hands, burn them on the altar as a bird offering, as a sweet aroma before the Lord. Watch this. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. So you bring these things, but you don't just stick them up there and say, Lord, that's yours. These things have to be consumed by fire because what you brought is no longer food. It's no longer a goat. It's no longer unleavened bread, Passover bread. Now it's an offering to God. And you think, well, that's pretty cool. But when this guy offers this, he is doing what only a priest could offer. No one else was allowed to. You go, well, what does that mean? When verse 21 says, when the fire flamed up, this guy freaks out and thinks he's going to die. Why? Because he's from the tribe of Manasseh and all of the, of the priests were from the tribe of Levi. He cannot be a priest. And he's offering a priestly offering. He cannot stand in the place of a priest. He's not allowed to. People have died. He knows the story. That people have stepped into a role that wasn't theirs and so have died as a result of it. And this guy is doing far more than simply, I've always read this story and thought of Gideon as the low self-esteem dude. You know, it was kind of like someone who really, you know, just, you know, it was hard to talk into doing something for God. Now I begin to understand there's a way more going on in this guy's life. You know, this guy, think about it, he knows all this stuff. He knows I'm not a priest and I can't be one. He knows I'm from the wrong tribe and nothing he does can change that. He can't go and get adopted into Levi. He's from the tribe of Manasseh for the rest of his life. He cannot be a priest. And when this guy is encountering the angel and the angel says, I'm going to send you as my representative, this guy says, let me test the call of God. He says, let me test. Is God really sending me? Am I really able to be God's representative? The only way he knows how to do that is to say, I'm going to bring what only a priest, the representative of God can bring. I'm going to bring that. Let's see how God responds. All's going good with the kid. All's going good with the bread until the angel says, pour the broth on. Why pour the broth on? Because I'm telling you, when this guy does that, it's a suit. if this thing is consumed, this is no lucky strike. This is no some kind of could have happened, you know, a spontaneous combustion. This is either God or it's not. And when the entire offering goes, whoosh, he then goes, oh my God. Out of everything in my background, it's impossible for me to be in that place. But somehow or other, God, you're calling me even though I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. Even though I'm not the, the person that anyone would pick, nobody's going to vote him in for it. He's putting his life on the line because God is saying to him, listen to this, God is saying to him, your background doesn't matter to me. Can I say to you tonight that God wants to say to every single one of us here in this place, me included, your background doesn't matter to me. 
are there sins in your past? Are there things that you screwed up? Are there things you're ashamed of? He says, you bring to me the sin offering. Well, the sin offering, you don't need to bring anything because Jesus is the sin offering according to the book of Hebrews. Jesus is my sin offering. But when I stand in the place like a priest, instead of just standing like some little follower, I don't mean to say this rudely, but sometimes we act like, you know, I'm just this half-baked, pathetic little, I'm a Christian, but you know, I'm not much. And the Scripture says, Revelation chapter 12, sorry, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, He has made us kings and... And we all read that because we are in the 21st century and we all think priests, we think about the church and a guy wearing a frock and stuff and, and, and we think a priest like that. And we don't understand that when it says that, when Revelation 1, 6, which was, by the way, John, a Jew, wrote that. And he's grown up school in the Lord. When he says that we are all now priests, freaks out everybody that's been Jewish that reads it. Because they've grown up their whole life saying, I can't be a representative of God. How can I be a representative of God? I'm from the wrong tribe. One of the reasons they really didn't like Jesus very much was because he was from the wrong tribe. He's from the tribe of Judah. And all the leaders of religion were from the tribe of Levi. It's interesting. I'll chuck this in for free. It's interesting that in Genesis, when Jacob prophesies over his sons, he says this about Levi, out of whom all the religion comes. He says, instruments of cruelty are in its habitation. And when you you get into religion, it will be cruel to you. Jesus will be merciful. Religion will be cruel. But I just thought I'd throw that in just for the heck of it. God is saying to this guy, your background doesn't matter to me. Your upbringing, listen, your upbringing doesn't decide if I can use you. Your lack of training will never disqualify you. You haven't been to Bible college. You haven't got the title. No one's ordained you, or maybe they have. But my calling is not because I have a title of pastor. Can I tell you, I can minister for Jesus when they just call me mister. Doesn't make a scrap of difference. You know, when I fly, I deliberately don't have pastor in my title. I guess I can put there reverend. But I'm just really much more happy just going as Jeff. Thank you very much. Not because I'm ashamed of the title, but my calling is not because somebody laid hands on me and ordained me. My calling is not because I've got a Bible college degree, which I don't have. As I said to someone the other day, I've never been to Bible college. I just lecture in them. But that's another story. I want you to get this tonight because if you get this, your life will change. This is about turning points. And when I got into this story, I'm going, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I've been preaching about Gideon. I I was completely wrong. I misread the whole story. I thought this was just some little numbskull who was a bit of a, you know, had a big loser mentality and didn't think he could do much. And somehow or other, you cajoled him into it. I read that down. I go, this guy's really got guts. Because he decides I'm going to put God to the test. I could die doing this. If I stand in the place of a priest and God rejects me, Zap, the fire won't hit the offering, the fire's going to hit me. And instead of that, when the offering, that's why when the offering's consumed, it goes, oh, I'm doomed, I'm finished. Here's what I want you to hear tonight. 
This is what God wants to say to everybody here. If I call you, you're able. If I call you, you're sufficient. If I call you, listen, if I call you, you are the right one. We aren't sending the red froggers down to Dunsborough going, well, you know, some are a bit new. Well, you know, 50-50. You know, spin the little scripture wheel and hope the right verse comes up. If God called you, we've got all these volunteers we celebrated. But you know, there isn't one of those people who just is kind of filling in a space. Every single one. I don't care who you are. Maybe you're not serving anywhere. Can I say to you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called. The Bible says so. And if you are called, then God wants to tell you, you're able and you are sufficient and you are the right one. And this guy, his offering is his turning point. Now, when you and I bring our offering, and by the way, that's not just finance. Maybe it is like that. Hayden talked about that tonight. But Hebrews 13.5 talks about bringing a sacrifice of praise. So I can turn and bring praise to God. He says, that's an offering. And when you do that, we are not here singing nice songs. When I bring my talent, when I bring my time, when I bring my life to God as as an offering to God, what I'm really doing is saying, God, I'm doing what priests do. When you stood here earlier, if you worship from your heart, heaven looks down and goes, these people are doing what priests do. They're offering something to me. Therefore, they're my representatives. How many of you would like to go out of here saying tonight, I'm God's representative? How many of you go, no, I'm not really sure. Is this a trick question? Are you going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do? No, I'm not. I want you to get this. Because see, otherwise we go through waiting for the magic moment when somebody prophesies, get a a shunder going, and I feel the anointment and and whatever, and, and you know, and then boom, off goes my life. But the reality is, God already said to you, Revelation 1 6, you are kings and priests under me. He already said, now here's the deal I cannot act like a priest, I can just act like someone in the choir. I can just act like someone who just happens to be good at singing, someone who just happens to be able to play the six-stringed lyre, not liar, liar. Uh, you know, I can just act like, God, I'm an usher, just, well, I'm a friendly kind of person and, you know, I know how to shower. You know, I, I'm okay. And we can do that or else we can go, you know what? You know, I met a man on the street up here one day and uh, he said, I just want to say thank you. And I didn't know who he was. He was on the street corner and we we're waiting for the lights to change. And he said, uh, you smiled at me. And I'm going like, what? Apparently he came to church one day and he was feeling pretty busted up. I, didn't know, I still don't know who he was, really. Not because there's so many people, too many to care. It's just I didn't know him. But somehow or other, on that day, I don't remember him. I don't remember the occasion. It wasn't like I went, I feel the anointing, a smile. <laughs> I shall beam upon you, heavenly rays of blessing. That, that wasn't why the way it worked. But you see, when you are a priest, 
No Levite ever got up in the morning going, well, I don't feel like being a priest today because I tell you what, you're a Levite, you are one. You just are one. And I want to tell you, you are a priest on the days you feel like one and you're a priest on the days you're not. So that's why Hebrews says offer the sacrifice of praise because there's some days when you don't feel like it. You bring it anyway into that space. Everything changes when this guy positions himself as a priest of God. Now watch this. I haven't finished. Nearly there. Judges chapter 6, verse 23. Watch this. It says this. After he's offered the sacrifice, the Lord says, watch this. It is all right, the Lord replied. This guy positions himself as a priest and now it's not an angel. Now it's a hotline direct to God because he positions himself as a priest. No longer is it coming third hand through the angel. Now the Lord speaks to him. What happened to this guy? And this whole, this all makes sense to me now because I go, how did Gideon go out of that and out of thinking everything he thought about himself and about his inadequacy? Now he goes out and he still goes up, chops down the, the, the uh, uh, grove to Baal, the false god, up behind his father's house. Then he goes out and has the audacity to call men of Israel the least in his father's tribe, of the least tribe in the whole of the nation. He stands up and 33,000 people say, I'm coming. That's not bad for transformation. But what was the turning point? The turning point was one man said, I can be a priest. I can be God's representative. I'm, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. Come on. I'm from the wrong background. Some of you here, you think about all the stuff in your past. Some of you here actually think you've committed too many sins. They've disqualified you. Have you ever noticed how the voice of the devil, the accuser of the brethren, doesn't turn up until you get saved? Huh? If you, this never happened to you, it's happened to me countless times. You get in worship and feel worse. You start remembering all the things you didn't do you should have done. All the things you did do, you definitely shouldn't have done. How come that never happened to you when you were standing in the Boys to Men concert? Is that even a band? Oh, okay, right. I, I wouldn't know. For me, it'd have to be Creedence Clearwater Revival. Do-do-do, <laughs> looking out my back door. Yeah, anyway. You know, I, I never ever had that. I never went to the movies and saw whatever. Uh, a movie, and in the middle of the movie, the devil turned up and said, you rotten thing, you don't deserve to be in this movie. You filthy sinner. But I'd come to worship and I'd hear that voice. You filthy sinner. Look what you thought, look what you did, look what you said. Come on, hello, come on, let's get real here tonight. We're not here to, we're not here to play around with, well, we just want to act like nice Christians and hope one day it sticks. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about something that will radically shift your life and become a turning point in your life. If you get the, this here, you've got to understand this guy literally is putting himself under the possibility of a death penalty. And he steps in and says, I'm going to act like a priest. I want to find out, is God really in this? Has God really called me? Do you know how God hears you respond to his call is when you get up there and begin to praise. And the truth is when we bring our thanks and our giving and our life, we declare in the heavenlies that we're God's representatives. This God guy goes from his words before of why me? Life's not fair. Where's God? When we move from grumbling and complaining and self-pity to praise, our life gets repositioned.
Psalm 149. Go home and have a read of it at your leisure and see what it says in there. Talks about the power of being thankful and the power of praise. It says, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations, punishments on the peoples. And all this is not about going to war with metallic weapons. It's about the words that come out of your mouth. And it says that bind the nose with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honour, God was prophesying, this honour have all his saints, not just the tribe of Levi. All of his saints. I can be a pre- Come on. Does this just kind of get your, your whatever going here? Because it sure gets... I'm going like... I, I only discovered all this this week. And I've been going around when I've been kind of going, oh man, oh God, no, oh God, oh God, you know, God, you know, God, them, God. And I've been going, well, I want to act like a priest. Team, come please. I want to, act, I, I want to be a priest. I'm going to position myself. So I say, God, it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what everyone's done or not done. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to act like a priest. I'm going to start bringing an offering. Now, I know I'm passed around the bucket out there in the bush. If they had, I could have put all the flies in it. 80 gazillion of them. That never happened. Usually about once a week, a fly enters the ministry. And if you haven't figured that out, anyway, no, I'm not going to do it. But you know, I get out there and start going, God, I'm going to act like a priest and not like a peasant. I'm going to act like someone who represents you. When you come with that kind of spirit, when you come to, that's all Gideon did. Gideon did nothing else. His whole life changed and everything about how God communicated with him changed. You ever wonder why sometimes you can't hear God? Usually it's because we're acting like a peasant, not a priest. We're not bringing God an offering of praise and thankfulness. We're not standing there to represent him. We're just acting like a bellyaching, whinging kid. Just thought I'd say that nicely. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all God's children, but we are not all acting like God's priests. Amen? And God wants you and I to start acting like his representatives, not like just one of his kids that's having a rant. Amen? Stand as a priest in the middle of your situation. I felt so strongly tonight that this was going to speak loudly to some of you here are going to just need to say, God, I've been, I've been acting like just one of your kids, but I'm deciding I'm going to start acting like a priest. In the middle of whatever's going on, that's why Hebrews 13.5 says... Let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And sometimes you do that and you feel the ooh and the gar and the wonder of God. And sometimes you do it and sometimes you do it and you don't feel anything at all but you just go, I'm just going to do it because I'm a priest and I'm offering before God and God looks down and goes, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. And he starts speaking to you directly and differently. Because you are no longer on the side of everyone saying why and how come. And it's not fair. And you know, I've been through enough trouble in my life. and I shouldn't have to have any more. But you recognize Jesus was your sin offering. You bring the kid. 
you start waving the Passover bread. You know when they got it, they used to have to wave it. No wonder we lift our hands. They literally, they had to wave it before the Lord, before they offered it. And they would do this. The priest would stand there and they'd wave it before God and then the fire would fall on this thing. Because the bread, the unleavened bread was way back to the night before they left Egypt. It's the bread of the covenant. We celebrate it when we have communion together and we take the cup and the bread. Because that says to us, you know what? I'm a covenant person here. I'm a priest. I represent. Come on, I, re- I don't represent God because I have the title of pastor. I represent God because I'm a priest. He made me one. Revelation verse one, chapter 1 verse 6 doesn't say, and you can become one after you've completed Bible college. No, I'm not against Bible college. I'm all for it. I actually want lots of people to do it. But however, uh, that's not what makes me a priest. The scripture says he made me one. So it doesn't matter. What, what have you been, what's been going on in your world this week? God goes, come on, stand up, act like a priest. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing together that song worthy of it all. That was so powerful. Come on, let's stand at our feet just for a minute. I don't know what you are going through or what you are facing. I don't know what thing around about you wants to point you back to all the stuff in your world. Uh, Alicia, I felt this earlier tonight and you and I haven't had any conversation. But I, I felt the, the, the Lord say to me, you know, the enemy wants to remind you of stuff. But God says, don't bring up what I've forgotten. You know, when you gave your life to Christ, He says, I forgot it. It's not like He went, okay, we'll just put it in the cupboard. Maybe one day I'll pull it out again and remind you. He goes, no, I didn't do that. He says, I actually can't remember. He's forgotten everything out of that. Jesus' name.